Welcome to the Layman's Homily Podcast. I'm Tony Darienzo, and alongside me is a guest co-host, my friend, Michelle Vojkovic. In this week's episode, in honor of the Solemnity of the Annunciation, we'll be talking about motherhood. What is going on with motherhood in the modern world? How is Christian motherhood different? And how do we live it practically, even if we don't have our own children? All this, and more, on Layman's Homily. Welcome back to the podcast. As always, we have a packed show for you, so let's dive right in. This week, we have as a guest co-host, my friend, Michelle Vojkovic. So Michelle, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Yeah, thanks, Tony. I'm so excited to be here. This is my first time on podcast, so I'm very excited. Um, I love what you've got going. Um, yeah, I'm just really excited to be here. Why don't you introduce yourself? Oh, okay. All right. More. <laughs> Cool. Um, well, yeah, I grew up in Ackworth, went to Georgia Tech, that's where I met Tony. Um, the Catholic Center really enriched my faith life, um, and I'm excited to kind of talk through this motherhood um, topic, and I think that there's a lot here, um, something that I feel like I've had good formation in and good examples of in my life, um, and yeah, I think it's something that's super important. Well, thank you. Thank you for the introduction. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's dive right in. What does our society think about motherhood? Yeah, so this is a good question. Um, I think that generally when it comes to moms, like society thinks pretty positively of them. Like we love our moms. We have a day dedicated to celebrating them. I think, mm-hmm. I don't really think that you'll encounter many, very many people um, that will say that mothers are innately like bad or not good. I think people could have like strained relationships, but that's like, you know, the case that can be the case with anyone. Um, but yeah, but I think generally speaking, we love moms. Yeah. Yeah. We, I think we do, but also like, I don't think our society encourages a lot of people to be become mothers. That is true. That's a good point. Um, actually something that I've thought about now having entered the workforce, like there is a huge pressure on women to kind of do it all. And I think when it comes to becoming a mom, you'll hear some people say like, wow, that's the best thing ever. Um, and then other people that might say like, how could you let this happen to you? Or like, wow, you're, you're, you're like really putting your life aside or like, you know, um, you get kind of the pros and cons there when it comes to like secular culture. Um, and I feel really bad for women because that's not the way it's supposed to be. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you hear a lot about empowering women the phrase empowering women and i think typically when that's being said they're saying all right women you should go into the workplace and that's the most the best thing you can do for yourself and they you shouldn't have the burden of childbearing and or child rearing you should just stick with you know working in the workplace and yeah you don't got time for for any of that yeah and i think that's one of the lies that society tells us but kids are not like a family and kids are not a setback to your personal goals. And I think that that's a lie that society says it's one or the other. Um, and I think that like, you know, I'm not personally a mom, but like my mom, when she stepped into that role or like friends that I have that step into that role, like 
knowing their families and like what's best for their kid and what's best for their family, like they make decisions accordingly. Um, so I don't think that like being a working mom makes you like not a good mom. You know what I mean? Like I think mm-hmm. that sometimes it is necessary. Um, but I think it is like, so yeah, society definitely does say like it's one or the other you got to pick. And then you kind of get like, um, flack for choosing one or the other. Like if you listen to society, you're never going to be doing what's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. What are, what are some examples of good or bad mothers in sexual secular culture? Yeah. I think that like the way I can see is that a good mom in secular culture is the mom that can do it all. So the mom that can take on the most responsibility and can do that like with a smile on her face and with like raising amazing kids, but also getting after her life. Like I think that society really glamorizes that. And then I think that a bad mom in secular culture, um, that can be a myriad of things. I think that depending on who you listen to, like anything you're doing could be bad. I think that for instance, if you choose to stay home with your kids, society will tell you like, okay, well like good for you, but are you like, you know, setting a good example for your kids about being a mom that's like out in the world or like out in the workplace or say that you're like working or doing, or maybe chasing after your own goals. And maybe society can say like, why are you not prioritizing your kids? So I think that there isn't really like a strict definition of what makes a bad mom in secular culture, but that's what makes it so interesting um, that they don't, place an emphasis on prioritizing like your kids and your family in the same way that like Christian culture does. Yeah. So we're going to get into like how Christian, Christian motherhood is different in a bit, but you know, you're talking about moms who can do it all. And I think that's, that can be a bit of a problem too, I think, because if they're trying to do it all, that means the fathers aren't doing enough. Mm -hmm. Um, we talked last week on the podcast, we talked about fatherhood and we talked about a lot of these comedies um, that are out there today, like the Simpsons and the and family guy and stuff like that show the fathers being either too lazy to shoulder the responsibilities that they have as fathers or, you know, making messes that they cause through general being bumbling, stumbling idiots. And so it's on the mothers in these sitcom families or animated comedy families that have to take take on the burden of being both mother and father. And I don't think that's that's good, right? Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that that's another thing that kind of apart from the topic of like motherhood, but even more vaguely just womanhood, I think that, yeah, like for sure, society says like, why can't women be just like men? You know what I mean? Like, Like a woman is more than capable of doing everything that a man does. And that is just not true. Like I think like men and women are created equally but differently. And those differences are like important and unique to like the strengths of the genders. But I think that like that idea that like women, like a strong woman does everything that a man can um, is a disservice to women, especially when it comes to motherhood. Yeah, and so much so that, you know, now society is saying, well, men can be women, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just had um, the NCAA championships, uh, swimming championships that's featured this transgender swimmer who was a man, but he's swimming as a pretending to be a woman. And so you have society like kind of blurring those lines 
uh, or trying to blur those distinct those separation between what is a man and what is a woman. Yeah, I know. And I think that like the importance of authentic masculinity, like secular culture just doesn't value it as much. And I think like, and even the importance of authentic femininity, it's also not valued that much. Like I think that men and women just innately have like such beautiful um, strengths that just lie in the nature of their masculinity or femininity and like leaning into that is important. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like as a man, I cannot fear a child. Right. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that. But you know, as a woman, you can, and you know, thank goodness you and you know, the other women in the world can, can do that. Cause otherwise, you know, we wouldn't be here. So, but anyway, trying to get back to, you know, these examples of mothers, both good and bad. Um, you were talking about prioritizing things. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Bad Moms, but I haven't really seen it, but I've seen like part scene clips. And basically the whole premise is these, these moms saying, who cares about our kids? Let's just go wild and have a good time. Um, and you know, that's, that's, that's also like empowering women. It's like, who cares about our kids? Let's just, you know live our lives and just be go get hammered and just have a good time because that's all we get in this world yeah no and that's yeah not good very good example of a not good mom in secular culture but yeah but going back to priority um i think like when you think about like even your own mom or like when i think of my mom and i think about like when i'm sick or when i don't feel good or when i'm going through a tough time like the first person i want to talk to is my mom mm -hmm. Um, or like m other maternal figures in my life. And the beauty of that is that like, I know that I will call and they will be there. Or like, I know that I will go home and they will have, like, they will make time for me. Um, and that is like such a beautiful, like safety net that mothers create or just women in general, um, uh, like in the nature of their like womanhood, motherhood, just mm -hmm. create like a very safe space. I think that men also do that in a, in a unique way. But I think like women also have the ability to do that. Mm -hmm. And I think that in those examples, when like mothers do not prioritize um, others, whether that be like their children or just like if women like are more self-seeking, it's like you're not creating that safe space that is like part of what it is to like be feminine and be a woman. Um, like that is like good for the people around you and like good for society. Um, and it's sad. Yeah, like, you know, you're talking about like nurture like this maternal instinct of like being like nurturing and like you know really caring about um the your kids and like especially when they're in trouble um and they they need someone to turn to and i think of you know in in secular culture there are a couple of of uh good mother figures that come to mind and like that sort of maternal instinct those that like nurturing presence um and so last week i talked about some figures from spider-man and the prequels as good father example, the prequels of Star Wars as good father examples. I'm going to bring up some for good mothers. Um, in particular, Shmi Skywalker, who's the mother of Anakin, um, like being that nurturing presence, like like worrying about him when he's getting in, into trouble, and you know when he goes off, like she lets him go, um, but. And she still loves him, right? She, but she knows that you know he's destined for more than she can than she can give. Um, and 
Same with similar thing with Aunt May from the Spider Man movies. She's love her amazing. Yeah, so she's she's sort of this similar style character where she like you know knows that her well she doesn't like Spider Man's not her son, but you know she's that mother figure for him. Um, the the person that she that he comes to when you know he like needs help. Yeah, and it's so beautiful too. Like even and I love when movies like this like portray that because I think. Like, it's just, it's good to know that that's out there and that it exists, even if it's not something that exists with, like, like in your own personal life. I feel like the majority of people, it, 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 it does, but, like, in different ways, whether it's, like, your, you know, physical mother or someone else. Um, but, yeah, but I love that because even more than just, like, creating a safe space, there's, like, an element of guidance that um, women are able to do so beautifully is just part of, like, that feminine nature and I think yeah like, like movies like this that show that like he's able to go to Aunt May and be like yeah like what do I do or how like you know and she's able to um provide that for um for Spider-Man which I think is epic that's awesome yeah so we were talking a little bit about Christian you're starting to bring up Christian motherhood a little bit earlier so we'll get to that now like how is Christian motherhood different than you know this secular idea of you know women going into the workplace and, you know, not really being encouraged to have kids. Yeah, no, I, I think it's very different. Um, I also think that in Christianity, like, it's not bad for a mom to work, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Um, like for that kind of, like, kind of covering that topic, like that can be a good thing, but it really boils down to that priority and purpose. Like, I feel like in secular culture, like, yeah, like, you want to have a good family. Like, you want them to be good people. You want to raise, like, valuable members of society. But in Christian or in Catholic culture, I think that there's a focus on heaven. And, like, mm -hmm. when you have a kid or when you are, like, being a spiritual mother to someone, like, you care about their salvation and you care about their relationship with Christ. And I think that that being at the foundation of that relationship, it's transformative. Um, I would even say like in my own life, the friends that I have that like point me to heaven um, and do so very intentionally, um, I believe like love me to a level um, that just feels just more like, like it just is stronger. It's stronger. It feels more intentional. It feels more loving because they care about more than just like what I'm able to do for them or like produce it's less transactional um so yeah there's that component to it um yeah and purpose like you want to make saints of the people that you're mothering like i think that is so important and i think that like in christian culture motherhood is this openness and it is this gift of self um and like mary does that so beautifully like in her um life and with jesus and the way that she was able to like receive jesus so fully like into her heart and into her life um like quite literally burying him um and i think that like had mary said no the world would look a lot different um and that's the same and we as women have that same um like question being asked of us like will we say yes to the lord and like will we say yes to life like yes to our families yes to our kids yes to the people that we are like spiritually mothering and be open um to that gift of self i think that is the most um transformative thing and not to say that like secular mothers are not selfless like mm -hmm. they they definitely are like there's definitely yeah. good examples and like that we talked about as well 
But I think that with that focus on heaven, it changes things. Yeah. And just the focus on, yeah, that priority of, you know, raising your kids in the faith. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially if, you know, you as a woman are, you know, at like rearing the kids while the, you know, the father is, is off working. Um, I mean, it, it probably does, it probably is a bit more difficult. Like if you're a woman in the workplace and also trying to like nurture your kids in the, in that faith. Yeah. I would imagine that it is more difficult. Like, um, but I think it is possible. Again, I think it just comes down to what a mom believes is like the right choice for her family. Mm -hmm. And I think that the husband plays a enormous role in that. Because I also don't think it is like solely the woman's responsibility to like raise saints, you know? Yeah. But I think that like having good conversations, even like when you're dating or when you're engaged or when you're, you know, or envisioning a life for yourself down the line when you're like, you know, fulfilling this vocation of being like a physical mother. It's just, it really just comes down to what you think I think is like best for your family. Um, but yeah, but I think that like, sh like if that is your priority is like, nurturing your children making sure that like they are raised yeah in the faith that they are like knowing the lord um i think that that is what's most important but if the priority is more like self-serving then that's i think where the problems kind of come in yeah yeah i mean i've seen i've seen it where i mean this is not really typical of a Christian family per se, but you know, in secular culture, you see st this concept of stay at home dads. Mm. And as much as, you know, I'm like, yeah, I, you know, that'd be great and stuff. But also like, that's not really how like we're made. Like for instance, talking about last week, St. Joseph, right? He, he's a worker. He provides for, he provides for his family with the sweat of his brow. Mary, Mary doesn't. Mary works in other ways. Like, me, me, like, men and women are called to work. Like, man, humanity. Like, we're called to be to work. Like, because God Himself worked. Um, but yet, you know, men are called to work in a different way than I think women are. Like, men are supposed to be like out in the workforce and surviving in the work and like being like bringing home the bacon. <laughs> I mean, it's not necessarily, like, it's not necessarily a bad, like you were saying, it's not necessarily a bad thing for women to also be in the workplace. And yeah, it does depend on, you know, your family situation. Like, our culture today, like, especially, like, trying to make ends meet, it, it's gonna, it's, it's been made such that, like, women, the women, woman has to work as well as the man to, like, bring home enough family to live, live a suitable lifestyle. Yeah. But... You know, in an ideal culture, an ideal Christian society, right? The, I think the man is should be the only one working, and the women woman should be like with her kids, like staying at home, nurturing them, and helping them, like realize yeah, their that way. yeah. And like another thing too, like I think women are also more important, especially at the beginning of their life of a child's life. Also, yeah, just because you know, you, you know, the baby has to eat and grow and you know only the women woman can provide that for yeah no i completely agree i think that if you're in a situation where that is possible like yeah that is beautiful um i think that like being able to be with your kids and like form them not just take care of them 
um, is something that's important in Catholic culture and something that I wish there was more of an emphasis on in secular culture. Like I, like, I know that when I have kids, like, I want my priority to be, like, raising saints, like, like raising kids, not just, like, taking care of them or not just, mm-hmm. like, making sure that they're, like, fed and, like, basic needs are met. Like, while that is super important, um, I do think that, like, mothers have a beautiful, um, like, gift that allows them to do that so beautifully. Like, I know, like, my mom stayed home when we were little and then ended up working later. Um, And that was huge. Like, it was so, it was awesome. Like, we loved being home with her. And there were, like, there were three of us and we're all super Mm -hmm. close in age. So, um, and it just made it, like, my, like, I just remember my, like, from seven years old, like, below. Like, that, just being super young, it was super important to have my mom. Um, And, yeah, just moms have just such a, and just women in general, I think, just have this beautiful ability to um, just create a space where children can like thrive. Um, And I think men can do that too, but again, it's different. Like kind of how we talked about. Yeah. Yeah. So you're mentioning the blessed Virgin Mary, obviously, who's the prime example of um, Christian motherhood, especially in scripture. But what are some other examples of good mothers in scripture that we can, we can look to? Yeah. The first thing that I thought of, um, is Elizabeth. I think that you could tell that there was an urgency for Elizabeth and Mary to have this encounter. Um, and in a way, I think like Elizabeth was bringing her son to the Lord um, and prioritizing that. And like, and that's important. And I love that example because like, I mean, to me, Mary is just like the pinnacle of femininity and like mm-hmm. womanhood and all that. But I love like, like the effect that she has on other people in bringing like themselves and their children to her son um and i think that elizabeth is such a good example of that and she was so like just like willing in that sense um and yeah and i just thought that was really beautiful yeah um i think one example for me that i think of is um hannah in the old testament so you mm-hmm. talk about new testament figure i'll talk about an old testament yeah. figure. um so hannah so hannah is the wife of elkanah um and Elkanah has another wife named Peninnah. And Peninnah has a lot of children, but Hannah is barren for a long time. Um, but Elkanah loves her, but she's, but she's barren. Um, and so, but eventually um, she, she goes to the temple of the Lord in Shiloh. This was before the Temple of Solomon was built. And she... Um, yeah, so she prays before the Lord fervently for a child, and the Lord hears her prayer, and and she gives birth to Samuel, and she has to let Samuel go eventually. Like he becomes the the last judge before King King Saul, um, who's the first king of Israel, but she has to let Samuel go and dedicate him to the Lord. But it's this willingness to be able to give give up her only son for the Lord. Um, like you're talking about priorities, right? Mm-hmm. So priorities, Hannah, Hannah gets them right. Um, but the other thing that I really like about Hannah is as an example of motherhood is, you know, going back to this priority, um, when she does have a son, when she does give birth to Samuel, um, she has this beautiful prayer. Um, this is... 1 Samuel 2, verses 1 through 10. Um, 
And it's this beautiful prayer. It starts out with, and Hannah prayed, my heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted by my God. And that sounds very similar to something that the Blessed Virgin Mary says in the presence of Elizabeth, who we were talking about earlier, um, in the Magnificat, which is uh, Mary's great song of praise. My, heart, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. There's this sort of parallel here between Hannah and Blessed Virgin Mary and Elizabeth. So they're all connected. There you yep. go. All these mothers yeah, come together. Yeah, it's so beautiful. There's this, this priority um, on the Lord. And like, and they just receive the Lord so well. And there's an urgency in them to like have that relationship with him. And it's so strong that they want the people around them to have that same relationship too. Um, it is very beautiful. Yeah. So... I know we talked a little, we talked a lot about this earlier, but like, how do we live? Or, well, I, I don't know if I can, but how would you, as a woman, live out Christian motherhood practically? Yeah, no, I I love this topic. I think that when I had first thought about it, I was like, man, motherhood at my age, like, I don't like. I mean, I think about it as an ideal and something that I aspire to, you know, like, mm-hmm. at, you know, when the time is right in my life. Um, and, you know, I believe that, like, my vocation is to be a mom, and I'm so excited for it. But living that out now, you'd think almost like, oh, it's like, that's not my time yet. Or like, oh, like, being a mom is not for me yet. And I think that, like, a lot of people can get caught up in that thought. But motherhood is an innate part of womanhood. Kind of like how you talked about in your last podcast, how fatherhood is an innate part of, like, being a man, you know? Mm-hmm. And so... When thinking about like what motherhood is and what true femininity is, it is this openness. It is the true gift of oneself. And so I ask myself, like, how can I do that for the people around me, especially for people either younger than me or people that are looking for that, like, you know, maternal, um, feminine support that I believe that I can provide for them. And so there's a couple things. So one is like, am I leading the people around me closer to the Lord? Mm-hmm. That's first and foremost. Kind of like in the examples that you talked about um, or that we talked about in the Bible, like that is a huge priority. Um, also, it's like, am I really being truly given? Like, am I laying down my life for, um, for the people around me? Um, and it's so cool talking about this because I can just so clearly see the way that men do this in my life and how women do it in my life. And it's different and necessary. Mm-hmm. So yeah, or like kind of earlier when I talked about like, when do you need your mom most? Like you think about like the points in your life where you're rejoicing. Like you're like, I call my mom and tell her all the good things that are happening. And she like rejoices right along with me. Mm-hmm. Like it's the best. Or when I think about times that I'm down or times that I need her help, Um, Or times that I need someone to talk to, like my mom is the perfect person for that because she's there and she's willing to listen. And the kind of underlying theme is that she's there. Um, So like, am I there for other people? Like, am Mm -hmm. I there like fully presently listening, willing to do um, whatever they need um, and provide that like care and nurturing that comes with femininity? Um, That's a huge part of um, practicing spiritual motherhood. And like reaching out to the people in society that need that. So people that are like going through a tough time. Like I think about people, like it doesn't even have to be so extreme as like people that you don't know, but just even Mm -hmm. people in your life that need support. Like how can I be there for them? And by the nature of my femininity, uh, that is me practicing my spiritual motherhood. 
And then, yeah, tying it all back to, am I leading them closer to the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. So, you, yeah, you were talking about what if, yeah, I guess, yeah, you don't have your own kids mm-hmm. yet. So, like, you kind of, I guess, answered my next question, which was, like, what if we don't have our own children? Oh, my gosh. I love this question because there are so many women in my life that have mothered me that I would not be who I am without them. Like I think about my tia Gloria, like my aunt in Colombia. She didn't have kids, but she has been such a transformative uh, figure in my life. Like she's like another mom to me. And as I was thinking through like, man, like how, how has she been a mom to me? I mean, she never really like lived with me and she didn't really like do the things that moms do. Like, um, like on a day-to-day basis, like cook, take me to school, growing up, like that kind of thing. But I truly feel that she was a mother to me and it all came down to that gift of self. She was always there. Like whenever I needed to talk through anything, she was, she's, she still is the person that I go to, um, for counsel or like to tell her about what's going on and to just have her opinion on things and knowing that she cares about my like relationship with the Lord cares about, um, just like, just cares about me and really loves me. That has like truly transformed my life. And so I think that like if we're in a situation where like we are like we don't have physical children, we are called to be spiritual mothers to other people because they need it. Like I know I have. And I think about it too in the way of like think about like hmm like tree seeds. Okay, mm-hmm. like different types of tree seeds. Okay. So different types of trees are going to flourish in different environments. Mm-hmm. right so like but you know like it's a tree by nature like it's a woman by nature you know like she's called to to this like motherhood but it's gonna look different depending on where you were called to practice that mm-hmm. and and i think too like i went when i went to the sea conference in 2019 i um was just so shocked by the amount of sisters that there were. Like if anyone listening to this has been to Seek and was also like had never interacted with that many sisters before, it was like the best thing ever. And I remember I was like just talking to them. I was I was so excited to do that. And without like telling one of the sisters that I wanted to be like like I felt like my vocation was to be a mom and that and that honestly is one of the reasons that like I didn't consider religious life at the beginning was like, oh, well, like I know that I want to have kids. So like religious life isn't for me. I didn't, I didn't tell her that, but out of nowhere, she goes, you know, Michelle, like you can bear fruit in many other ways. Like you don't just have to have physical children. And I was shocked by that. Cause I was like, how did she know? Like still, I'm like, how did she know? Um, but that really opened me to the idea of like, wow, this motherhood can, can look different. And like, mm-hmm. there's adoption, there's like just younger people in your life or just people in your life that you can exercise that with. Um, but I just thought that was so special. And so there's, it can look different for people, but we're all called to it. Yeah. And I think one other thing too, um, is to pray for mothers who do have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like pray for, you know, our moms and for you know the moms of our friends and just for mothers in general. Um, especially like right now when, you know, a lot of people, a lot of women who are you know just becoming pregnant and are pressured to have abortions Mm. um which i mean they are they are mothers and so we need to pray for pray for them yeah i know and that is like it's so sad because again like how we talked about at the beginning there's this lie that society says that like children will like 
hinder your success or like chill or just like the idea of having a baby or that like just having a baby um is like your life is over and so out of fear of course like it makes sense why so many women would turn to that like it's not right but like i understand and it's sad and that's why i think that there needs to be this shift in how we look at children and how we look at families um in secular culture because like as christians it's really it's easier for us to see obviously we have like the lord kind of instructing us on that and showing us the beauty of like children and a family and that kind of thing um but i just think that like mary is just such a good person to look through look to with that example because like it's not like she wasn't scared like i'm sure she was terrified mm-hmm. but she said yes and um pondering that in, um in your heart i think is important yeah so not to get too far ahead of ourselves here but um <laughs> uh yeah, another thing I did want to say is like, yeah, like you're talking about motherhood is can can be not just biological, it's also spiritual. Just like we last week on last week's podcast, we talked about how fatherhood cannot just be can be not just biological, but can also be spiritual. And like, you know, one of the ways I talked about how I not having kids, being a good father figure is like giving back to the the youth and like helping out with like middle school ministry at a local parish and um i know you you do like life team for like mm-hmm. high school kids at your your home parish yeah so like that's an, like that could be another way of you you expressing that um that spiritual motherhood yeah i know and i think um kind of an even clearer example i can think of is my catechesis class mm-hmm. so i teach um at catechesis a couple times a month um and it, this is my first year doing it um, it's been really challenging, but ultimately it's been really good. But one of the things in thinking about like practicing the spiritual motherhood is that I always try to leave um, the kids in my class with the message that like the Lord loves them. And like I truly like like my goal in all of these classes, whether or not they take away the material, is like I want them to know that the Lord truly wants a relationship with them. And I try to show that to them. With different examples in their life different examples in class fun games like that kind of thing but truly like that is the mission of like, like that's what i go there to do mm-hmm. is to um like show them that the lord urgently wants them to run to him um and like how beautiful it is when they do and so yeah i can i can totally see that that yeah yeah so you know some a lot of these kids you know they'll their parents want them to come you know bring them to the, these things right but what if what if they've lost, like, what if somebody's, like, lost, like, their mother? Like, either, you know, does have a bad mom or somebody who's, like, doesn't have a mother anymore who, like, lost their mother. Like, she passed away. Like, what would you say to somebody um, who's in that situation? Yeah, that is a really tough situation. Um, but I think that the church especially provides um, hope in that. I think that like Mary's a great person to look to for that like spiritual motherhood. But I also think that there's like other women that are placed in our lives intentionally that kind of like obviously could never replace that person, but um, serve like serve you um, particularly in filling those needs that you have like from a feminine perspective. And so I think that like, that 
like losing a mom I mean I just can't even imagine not having been through it myself but I think that like I would like should it happen to me you have to just exercise your receptivity like how can I receive um kind of what the Lord has for me that I feel like I am lacking and like how can I be vigilant to it um but what would you say yeah well I mean step number one is just praying for praying for her soul yeah um yeah and then we do need we do need these earthly mother figures in our life now last week when we asked about like what would happen if we lost our father if i had lost my father like we you know we can turn to our priests because priests are like like we call them father like they're Mm -hmm. spiritual fathers of the community and that's there's not really that for you know mother like motherhood um but yeah i mean i'm sure there you know there are plenty of people in the community like who can help you out like in the parish community like turn turn to the parish community turn to the church because the church as the bride of christ is the mother yeah absolutely and i even think like not shying away from talking to a priest about that as well like i think that like priests in general have just really great insight about how to handle situations like this and if that involves maybe even talking to sisters mm-hmm. or if there is like a um like a feminine figure that like a priest would recommend that you talk to i just think that like priests are the one of the more accessible um people of the church like i, I don't know i think about it in my own mm-hmm. life and getting in touch with like a priest is a lot easier than getting in touch with a sister yeah exactly um, Right, but I think a that, lot of the sisters are like you know either cloistered or not really super accessible. Yeah, or you just don't see them around mm-hmm. as much. I feel like, um, and so yeah, but I think that like yeah, turning to the church I think is a big um, point of refuge, but also just yeah, being receptive to the people around you and how they're trying to love you. Um, I think that that is huge. Yeah, and knowing that we also have a spiritual mother in heaven. Oh, yes. Who is always ready to intercede for us. And that leads us to the Cloud of Witnesses segment, which in this week's Cloud of Witnesses segment, we talk, we're going to talk about the Solemnity of the Annunciation, which we celebrate um, on this episode. So what does, the Annunci- what, what does the Annunciation celebrate? Yeah, the Annunciation celebrates when the angel Gabriel came down to Mary and said, you will bear... Um, the son of God and Mary said yes yeah so this is found in the gospel of Luke chapter 1 verses 26 through 38 now um, I encourage you to really um, read read that and ponder it I'm not gonna read it here um, but yeah in that right Mary does say yes to the to the angel right when the angel Gabriel comes to her and says hail Mary full of grace the Lord is with thee. Um, and you know, if you ever pray the Hail Mary, that's what we start with. Um, so uh, the angel comes to comes to Mary, and Mary's like, first, first she's like, she's trusting, but she she does ask the question. She's like, How is this possible? Like, it's okay to ask questions. I think that's that's a takeaway. It's like it's okay to ask questions. Yeah. And I just think Mary is amazing. Like she gets it and that's why i think it's so beautiful to be able to turn to her and ask for her intercession because like i mean just incredible incredible person that like just understands and um and like when i had read those verses like that part where she kind of was just like what like what is happening like 
I just have like can envision that happening. Like I'm like, well, what if something like that happened to me or one of my friends, you know, before marriage? Like what? Like you're just kind of like, what is happening? You know, and even Mary, like where an angel came down and Mary, like just being like just as amazing as she is, even she was scared. And so, but she like took that fear and her love for the Lord was greater than that. So she let that guide her action and she said yes. Um, yeah, I just think it's yeah. super cool. It's kind of interesting too because like the first part of Luke's gospel, like the part right before this, talks about the angel Gabriel coming to Zechariah announcing the birth of John the Baptist. And Zechariah asked the question of the angel, right? Like how is this possible? It's a similar question, but it's this position's. Yeah. In which they ask it. Zechariah is kind of doubting the power of God in that. And the angel Gabriel says, I am Gabriel and you're going to be mute until John the Baptist is born. And and then Zechariah goes mute until John the Baptist is born. But contrast that with Mary. Mary asks a similar question. Like, how is this possible? Um, but she trusts. Like, she knows that, like, all things are possible with God, but she just... But she's still, like, questioning, like, how is this going to happen? Yeah. Like, she's just trying to figure out, like, how is this going to work? But she, like, can trust. She knows that God will make it work somehow, but she just wants to, like, just a little bit more specifics, I guess. Yeah. And I have a question for you, actually, from the male perspective. Do you notice a difference in women who practice that trust versus don't? Um, Body that? I think I think so. I think there's there's a bit of a difference, right? Like you see people who like, yeah, you can definitely tell like if somebody's like trusting in the in the Lord versus somebody who's not. Like, and that's just not just true for seeing women, but it's also true for seeing men. Yeah. Too right. Like last week we talked about uh, Abraham like getting up and moving just because the Lord told him to, and Saint Joseph too, right? He. The angel comes to him in a dream and says, hey, you're, don't be afraid to take Mary into your home. And then he gets up and does it. So, right, so this trust is not just for women, but it's also for men. But in particular way for women, right, Mary's fiat, like fiat means in Latin, um, let it be done. Um, so she says, like, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to thy word um, to the angel. And it's the recapitulation, which is basically the way, say, of like undoing Eve's no to God in the garden. Because, right, Satan Satan talks to Eve. He doesn't talk to Adam because Adam's not there, which that's a problem with the masculinity. When That's not really what we're dealing with in this particular podcast. But we're talking about the motherhood of Eve, the femininity of Eve, and Eve saying no to God and yes to the the fruit, which she's not supposed to eat. Um, but Mary's undoes that when she says yes to God. Yeah, no, And so I like can see two differences here because like, I think that we give Eve like a hard time, but it's not like we're not out here making those same decisions mm-hmm. out in the world. You know what I mean? So Eve allowed her desire for temptation or her, she allowed her temptation to guide her action. Mary was tempted, I'm sure, to say, I'm not the one. You got the wrong girl. Like, I cannot do this, but she didn't. Like, her love for the Lord um, and her trust in him is what guided her action. And because of that, she allowed Christ 
to become flesh in our lives. And I think that it's such a beautiful example because like we are called to do that as women, um, like today, like now. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely super important. Yeah. Um, and I was going to talk about something like, you know, yeah, trusting in God's plan and God's providence, mm-hmm. um, is like just the, the big, I think, takeaway. just like this trust. Oh, and the other thing I want to talk about with this, going back to, you know, Mary could like was afraid, afraid. She could have said no. Yeah. Like that's the crazy thing about this whole thing is that God, you know, in God in his mercy and love, like could have just, I mean, he could have just been like, you know what? Do you like, I'm just going to do it. Like, I'm just going to do it without your consent. But he offers, like he gives Mary the choice, the freedom to say no. Yeah. Yeah. And on that point too, how crazy is it that like Jesus chose or the God chose for his only son to come through a woman, you know what I mean? To like, like come as a baby. Mm -hmm. I know that there's a lot like reflected upon that, like at Christmas time, especially, but like, like as it relates to this, like, Like this is when it happens. This is when the incarnation happens, right? Because when Jesus is conceived, like in, like in Mary's womb, right? That's when he becomes flat. That's when God becomes man. Yeah. Right. So we talk about, you know, a lot about the incarnation at Christmas when he's actually, when he's born, but woman's pregnant for nine months. Mm-hmm. So, right. Life begins at conception. I know that's a controversial topic nowadays, but <laughs> life begins at right, conception. Exactly. And so it's crazy to think about how that's a controversial topic, but also, yeah, right. So he become he becomes flesh, like God becomes flesh as soon as Mary says yes. Mm-hmm. And that's just crazy to think about. And also the fact that God could have chosen any woman to go through, right? He, like Jesus, like we don't get to choose our mothers, but God got to choose his own mother. Like God's, the, like Jesus is the only person who was ever born who got to choose his own mother. Yeah. And wow. he chooses Mary. And so that's, that's why Mary is so awesome. Yeah, she is so awesome. So, yeah, absolutely. Mary's the best. Uh, so I have a question for you. Um, just about, like, motherhood, womanhood, all this kind of thing. Like, um, you know how we talked about at the beginning, how society says that women need to be, like, the man, you know, and how that is just not true. But how do you think that, like, men could, like, encourage women to be more, like, who they're called to be as women? Well, I think men, in that sense, men should be, you know, actively taking on those roles of responsibilities, right? Like, I was saying in the beginning, like, you have a lot of these um, shows today that show how, like, show men, like, being idiots and being lazy. And... Yeah, the, like our culture like encourages that. It's like, all right, men, like just be, just let the woman do everything, right? You can just be lazy, sit on the couch, watch sports all day or watch whatever. Like just be a lazy dumb butt. <laughs> um, and no, as men, like that, that's an adolescent. That's a boy. Like as men, we're called to be men, not boys. 
and men seek responsibility. Men look to, you know, yeah, look to seek these responsibilities and like do the hard things. Like go sacrifice. Like if that means, you know, slaving at a job like behind a desk for ten hours a day, Monday through Thursday, <laughs> then that's that's uh, that's the sacrifice you uh-huh. have to make. Um, yeah, and also to like protect and care for women and show them like show like chivalry. I know that's a forgotten virtue a lot in um, our culture today, but like you go back to the Middle Ages, like th- these knights would like really put their lives on the line for their ladies, and like that's what we as men need nowadays. Um, we need to we need to be be willing to bleed for for the women in our lives. That is so beautiful, Tony. Thank you for sharing that. I just think that is so important. And I also think just the sheer fact of like telling them, like, I think especially coming from a man, like when a man tells you, like, like affirms your femininity in the same way that like when a woman affirms your masculinity, it makes a difference, right? Like, yeah. Like, and I think too, like my very best friend, um, one time told me, um, that like what makes me a woman is that I make everything that I touch more beautiful. And that just was just like, I still can't believe it when he said that. Like, I couldn't believe that like someone affirmed, especially someone like, like a man affirmed that about me. Um, and it just helps, like, I just think that was huge in helping me become who I'm meant to be. And so I just think that you guys play a really big role in that Yeah, well. exactly. And when men are men and not boys, <laughs> it allows it allows for the woman to really be a woman and not... Yeah. Um, and not have to be, you know, take on the, the man's role, right? To let woman flourish in her femininity. Um, oh my gosh, Tony, that is so beautiful. And so with that, um, we're going to move on to the lyrical lift segment, which if this is your first time listening to um, our, an episode, a lyrical lift is where we take um, a secular song and apply the lyrics to or the spiritual life. And so for this week, the lyrical lift is Good Day by 21 Pilots. And the chorus goes, I know it's hard to believe me, it's a good day. Um, The gist of the song is that it's always a good day whenever you're alive. For instance, the second verse of the song talks about whoever's speaking, singing the song, um, losing his job, wife, and child. And on top of all that, being sued by someone. And yet, he still sings that it's a good day. It gets at the miracle and the sacredness of the gift of life that God gives us. I think the takeaway is just to be more grateful for the blessings that we have, especially in a culture of ingratitude and entitlement. So take a second each day and just thank God for the gifts that he has given us because we have so much to be thankful for. Yeah. Any, any thoughts on that? Yeah, that is so beautiful. I love that. And I think that, like, it's funny, it just reminded me of a TED Talk that I was listening to this morning that talks about how negativity is just such a, like, common topic of conversation that people, like, or not negativity in general, but just negative things. Like, for instance, you could be like, wow, um, the weather was so nice today. And then someone could be like, well, it's going to rain tomorrow. Or, you know, you could celebrate the fact that you, like, had a great work day. Like, wow, I made it through the day. Like, I, it, and it was great. I loved it. And then it's like, 
well, time to face traffic. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's always something negative. I think you could you can always focus on the negative, but by focusing on the positive, I think you give yourself more options. Like you like you allow more like opportunity for yourself. You allow like like you'd have a disposition towards the good, towards the Lord, towards what He's trying to reveal to you. Um, yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, I think one thing that I've been trying to do in, ter- in terms of gratitude is just to be like, like get up in the morning. Like the first thing I do is let praise go first. Mm. Um, this is something I learned from Bible in a Year podcast yeah. with uh, Father Mike Schmitz. I know, crazy, a podcaster listening to another person's podcast. <laughs> but um, no, one thing he talks about like in the, in the book of Numbers is when the Israelites like go out on on their their march their marching through the wilderness the camp the the tribe of Israel that goes up first that leads the people is Judah and Judah's name in he like in Hebrew translates to praise so praise goes first let praise go first and i think if we do that if we let praise like to the lord go first like be the first thing that we do in the day like it can turn every day into a good day even mm-hmm. if you you know lose your job wife and child and are sued by someone right still it, a good yeah, day exactly i tony i love that thank you and that'll be it for this week's episode but a few final things before we wrap up first if you liked what you heard or even if you didn't please subscribe to this podcast and leave a five-star review this will help us reach more people and get the good news out to a world which desperately needs to hear it. Secondly, we want to hear from you, dear listeners. If you have questions about anything we've discussed on this episode, previous episodes, or anything in general, please send them via email to laymanshomily at gmail.com. That's L-A-Y-M-A-N-S-H-O-M-I-L-Y at gmail.com. And finally, please pray for us and know that we are praying for you through the intercession of the patron of this podcast, St. Joseph. God bless you this week. Celebrate the Annunciation, feast, party, and we look forward to seeing to you all next week. This has been the Layman's Homily. Thank you.